All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast, episode number 213. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the... Oh my gosh, I messed up that, that introduction. <laughs> Cat's got my tongue. The uh, the captain, Mr. Andrew Full. What a long day, man. Long day of meetings, long day of podcasts. I'm helping out my uh, our buddy Adam Bartusik run the uh, Minnesota Bass Nation Bass Trail. So this is like my third show of the night hosting. So uh, it's it's been brutal. I am tired. But I'm also excited because we get to continue talking fishing. Part two. Hockey. Yeah, right. We're going to continue part two of our spinning versus casting, what to use for when, what techniques. Um, so we're going to run down the whole. What's that? It's all recommendation based. Take what we say to heart, but you don't have to do it personally. You can do whatever you feel is right. This is just what we do. And you'll probably hear that me and Bailey have slight differences or even really big differences in the setups we use because no two fishermen are identical unless you learn from your mentor and your mentor's way of doing things honestly probably is different from the way you do it. So nobody fishes two things the same. And um, my little side note there continuing from part one going in here in the part two is don't listen to what people tell you to do Take little recommendations and notes that you think will help you and find your own confidence in the technique that you're willing that you want to fish. If you like a softer rod, use a softer rod. If you like a stiffer rod, use one. This is just our recommendation on what we feel is best for that technique and what we're doing. Yeah, undeniably correct. Uh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. That, that was absolutely perfect, guys. Like, that, I mean, that's, that can go for all fishing. There is no rule book. There is a set of recommendations, and that is the best way to put it. Uh, fish don't read textbooks. Fish don't follow, you know, these rules, uh, and neither should fishermen. Fishermen should be creative. Fishermen should experiment. Uh, they should find what works for them because, like Andrew said, what puts fish in the boat for one guy might not put fish in the boat for the next. So, And that's what makes fishing so good. So... That being said, we are going to get started here. Obviously, we covered a whole bunch of techniques on part one. Um, if you guys have not seen part one yet um, or listened to part one yet, I will link that in the description below. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I will put that right here for you guys. So you guys can click the upper right corner. I totally pointed to the wrong corner. It is that corner. Uh, you guys can go click on that. <laughs> click on that. But we're going to get started here to kind of continue our conversation um i think the, the topic that's uh, a good one to talk about one that i'm experimenting with this year i have a freaking bug on my screen get out of here um <laughs> <we're t> <laughs> my mind's getting sidetracked <laughs> it's bad <laughs> so, uh, yeah literally uh i think we'll, we'll start with uh, a spinner bait tonight i think that's a good one to start with yeah um do you want to kick us off um, I'm very old school with my spinnerbait fishing, seven foot to seven foot two medium heavy, 15 to 20 pound fluoro. I love a six, three to one reel, something I can winch them on. Um, I like a shorter rod, usually like a seven foot because I fish spinnerbait a little bit differently than everyone else. I think I mostly throw it around docks. 
because they're eating on a reaction bite. I find sometimes there's just no better way to get a big fish to bite than a spinnerbait around the dock. I don't do it often. It is not my favorite way to fish. Um, for instance, right now, it's one of my favorite ways to do it because a lot of our local lakes are just putting the docks in. And sometimes they warm up quicker than other things. And the only thing they'll eat is a spinnerbait this time of year. And that is something I will do is throw a spinnerbait around a dock that has nothing else around it if there's bait fish around. So that's primarily the only time I ever spinnerbait and then in the fall when the weeds start dying. Yeah. Um, so I have two different setups for that. Both that are completely different. Well, I shouldn't say completely. One that's relatively similar. Um, I always use at least 15 pound fluorocarbon, 15 to 20. Absolutely. Um, a setup that I'm experimenting with this year, and it's so far been really good for me, I have not lost a fish on it yet, is a 6.6 medium heavy, yeah, knock on wood, a 6.6 medium heavy moderate fast. Um, it's a Abu Garcia Veritas PLX that I've been playing around with. Very good rod for $100 price point. Yeah, very nice. Um, I've been throwing that on... Uh, a Shimano SLX to seven two to one um, because I'm able for me I have no issue slowing down my hands versus you know because I, I like to know that I can catch up to a fish if need be. The reason I'm using that six six is because I really really like to throw a spinnerbait around tight cover mm-hmm. and tight cover is a lot of wood. I love a spinnerbait around wood um, and that might include me having wood like overhanging branches in my face. So like a short rod will allow me to be very close to cover, making very tight pitches. Like with that 6.6, I'm not casting that thing farther than 20 yards at most. It's up close, personal, lockdown drag. You're going to crack them and drag them out. Um, so being, fun. Yeah, it's, it's a riot. The second setup that I use for spinnerbaits is a 7.4 medium heavy fast. 15 to 20 pound fluorocarbon. That's one where if I want to cover a lot of water, um, it's one I don't use a lot because honestly, for me, I don't, for me, a spinnerbait is a very cover based presentation for me. If I'm going to cover, say, say a grass flat, I'm going to throw a chatterbait. I'm going to throw a trap. I'm going to throw a jerkbait, a top water, whatever. I'm not really usually going to go to a spinnerbait um, because if there is grass involved, I feel like for me, spinnerbait being in the north, you're going to catch more pike or pickerel than you are bass. Uh, but if but if this is the occasion where I'm going to make longer casts of the spinnerbait, say I want to throw three quarters or maybe even an ouncer to get on that to access deeper water, I'm going to throw that seven four medium heavy fast twenty pound fluorocarbon so that I can have that longer rod, more rod to obviously give to that hook set uh, to pin them at a longer distance. Um, and I, that's obviously the other setup I use for spinnerbaits. But talking about pinning fish at a longer distance, topwater walking baits. Um, it's one that I'm, I want to play around with where I've always been a proponent of monofilament because I don't set the hook until I feel them on the rod is when I will lean into them. But more thinking about it, part of me wants to go down to a softer rod to throw a braid because I feel like braid is a little bit, has some more confidence in terms of keeping the hooks pinned. My worry is bending hooks out. My hook, my worry is 
the fish throwing the throwing treble hooks because of braid. Um, so what I used to use is a seven foot one, seven foot two, medium heavy fast, super generic rod, um, throwing seventeen to twenty pound monofilament uh, on my topwater walking baits. What I want to do is use like a seven foot one, seven foot two, maybe a seven three. I'm gonna play around the length a little bit um, with like 20 to 30 pound braid so I can bomb that cast. Um, but I want to have about like a 12 to maybe 24 inch liter of mono. Play around with it. If you it's a note I'm, I'm taking from Justin Lucas. So I know he plays around with that a lot. And that's what he uses a lot of the time. And I know he's very successful with a topwater walking bait. More specifically, a pencil popper. Yeah, but, I don't know. I'm gonna play around with that this year. Uh, it's one I need to perfect. I've never had a lot of issues with straight mono, but I don't. Obviously, just I just want to see what works, or maybe a little bit better. What I might like a little bit more. What about you? Walking baits is a funny area for me because I don't do it very often, and when I do, I fish a Lucky Craft Sammy or a Gunfish. Like those are my two favorite walking baits this year. I'm gonna dabble more with the Spook. But um, my favorite rod right now is a 724 by Douglas. Um, it has a great moderate action to it, but a fast tip. So I have tried braid before. I've tried mono. I haven't really noticed much of a difference. My favorite mono, and you can laugh at me all I want, all you want, is a 15-pound to 17-pound Berkeley big game when I'm fishing a walking bait. It's cheap. It doesn't break. It doesn't stretch. It's the best mono bang for your buck. You can buy it in bulk schools when you find it. That's probably the best topwater line I have found. Um, when they eat it, you don't have to jam them. You just set the hook and reel more of that sweep set that I was talking about earlier. I'm, I'm a big proponent of a sweep set and reel and keeping them in that way. Um, I do want to experiment with braid because I think with braid I am going to be able to get a further cast. That being said, if I do go to braid, it's going to be 30 or 40 pounds for top water because it's going to float a little better. Um, and then up in that end, you can go down to a softer rod. So I'm going to try like a 610 medium light, depending on which walking bait it is, with a fast or extra fast tip, just to mm -hmm. see how that works. It's something I need to experiment more. With I am a big popper fisherman, so the walking baits is not 100% up my alley, but there is a time and place for it on certain bodies of water. Yeah, I think I need to lose the whole I'm afraid of bending out hooks with braid deal after watching Lee Livesey put 42 pounds of bass on in the deck with treble hooks and braid. I feel like if they're not going to bend out on a nine pounder, they shouldn't bend out on a four or five pounder. So I need to just go right to straight braid. Yeah, usually uh, top waters come with a heavier gauge hook anyway, so you're not going to straight hooks out. Unless they're like junky, unless you're trying, buying like a Matsu $3 top water from Dick's, then you might have an issue. But other than that, right. you be fine. That's fair. Now let's go to a top water that is kind of interesting, and I think we're I think we're going to be on par together with our setups here. But 
I guess we'll get into it and see, is a buzzbait. For me, a buzzbait is one where I don't really play around with it at all. It's going to be a 7.3, 7.4, uh, medium heavy fast with 40, 50 pound braid, and I'm just going to jack their face in. 7.3 to, seven to, to 1 reel. I use the same thing. I use 7.5 just for a little bit longer cast. Um, I love fishing it around dock, shallow cover. I've, I have used a 7.6 and a 7.8 just to get a longer cast and keep off of them when I fish reeds with it. But, um, yeah, right. You hit it right on the head. Yeah, and that's something, you know, like James Watson, we had a show with him that he re- re- reiterated uh, was, like, if you're not throwing brain, you're throwing it wrong. Hey, we're getting old. We're getting old, dude. And, and to be honest, um, my first started buzz baiting, I think it was two years ago. I threw it on on a whim. I was like, ah, I think this would be a good buzz bait day. I'm, I just want to try it. And I threw it on a rod with 20 pound fluoro and like a seven three to one reel. And I caught fish that way. But then the next week I went back and I tried it again, but I put braid. And boy, way different. It was way better with the 30 or 40 pound braid. Way better. Heck yeah. So kind of kind of streamlined, I guess, with a buzz bait, kind of same relative application is a non-walking top water. So a one that you kind of touched upon is like poppers. And also I want to touch upon like whopper ploppers. Ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah. I'm very intrigued because I don't change up my setup too much. Honestly, the same setup that I use for my walking baits, I'll throw for a t- I will throw for a popper. But for a popper, I kind of like like a seven two medium heavy with like straight seventeen to twenty pound mono. You talking popper or plopper? Sorry, popper, popper, seven two straight mono like. 17 and 20 plopper i kind of want to try that kind of seven two to seven four medium with like a 30 40 pound braid what yeah. are you, what's your take so, i know you're a popper guy popper guy so i like a seven foot or six foot ten rod for a popper um usually medium action i use 14 pound test Berkeley Big Game or any other extra strong mono you can find. Usually in moss green, I don't like fluorescent color monos. Um, and the reason for that is when I need to cast it and make like three pops, I like that shorter rod. So if I'm like combat fishing, like around trees or docks, I like a shorter rod so I can kind of get it to where I want more accurately. But then also, I could still make a longer cast with it and get the same style pop with that seven footer over a six foot 10. So it'd be very similar to fish with that long rod. Now with a whopper plopper, I am a long rod guy. I like that seven, five to seven foot seven rod, medium heavy, moderate action rod and 30 to 40 pound braid. Same rod I throw my buzz bait on, I throw a pop, I throw a plopper. Okay. Yeah. And, and it works because with the plopper, one of the main key attributes is that I think it's almost a one ounce weight bait when you throw that 110, the whopper, whopper 110. You can 
throw it a country mile. Good God, yeah. With Braid and a seven six seven foot six rod. And I can't tell you how many times I've had fish eat it in the first three cranks of the handle. Oh yeah. Do you do you think that's because you're kind of like hitting them on the head, or do you think it's because that splash of that bait attracts their attention a little bit more? Oh, absolutely the the latter. Like it is one hundred percent an attraction thing. It hits the water. It's like what the I don't know what the whole deal is. Um, most of the fish I've caught on the plopper are giant smallmouth, which is probably way different than a lot of other people. And it's just a wicked fun bite. Mm-hmm. And it's like a three day window that it goes off and I missed it like every other year. And I'll try and force the issue and not get any boils on it at all. And I found it by trying to find spawners because I wanted them to throw themselves by this brilliant idea. Let's buzz a whopper plopper over their head. Well, Dang got it, they friggin' ate it. And it was like a depth charge going off on the surface. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. And amazing. Yeah, uh, two out of four years I've gotten it to fire. This mm-hmm. year is gonna be a year because the water's lower and I know where they're gonna be at, so I'm gonna be able to target a different class of fish than the last two years. So they're going to eat it, I think. I might actually have some guide tricks. That we're gonna get on a whopper plopper bite. Oh god, guide trips with treble hooks. <laughs> I have a couple of days worries. in June that um is a very good bait cast fisherman. I know him personally. So I'm just gonna sit in the boat. I'm gonna stand on the front and just run the trolling motor and tell him to burn a whopper plopper, I think. <laughs> and don't and hit me in the head. Don't hit me in the head. It's gonna be a freaking riot. <laughs> <laughs> Do not hook me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's my biggest fear is like having a treble hook going in my back with jerk baits is why I don't throw them with clients because normally I have a 19 foot boat. So with three people in the boat, it gets a little crowd. Somebody's going to take a hook to the face and that's just not cool. No. So I get a single client. We're going to throw treble hook baits. Okay. All right. Next one is one that you love and we love to argue about. And it's one I'm still really not sure about yet. Uh, I haven't just got, I just haven't gotten a feel for it. So I'm going to talk about what I've been using in the years prior and what I'm trying now. And that is what we're talking about as a chatterbait. If it seems to be a taboo-esque conversation about what rods and lines and your reel on that rod. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to be throwing it on a three-quarter. I'm going to throw a three-quarter ounce out this weekend and see how it performs with that heavy chatterbait. But So I'm throwing right now what I'm trying is a 7.3 heavy um, a 7.3 heavy glass Daiwa. It's a DX Type H. Um, I'm trying a glass rod with Chatterbait. Throwing a Luz BB1 Pro 7.1 to 1. 17-pound uh, fluorocarbon. Uh, so far, every fish that has hit it has had it down its freaking throat, which is great. I don't have a lot of sensitivity, which I don't like, but if I know every fish is going to be pinned, it's kind of like a trade-off, what you want to take out of that. Um, the casting has been interesting. Obviously, it does not cast the 3 ace ounces very well. You definitely can't, I know, Andrew, you definitely can't target fish with that thing. Not at all. No. Which is probably where I'm going to throw like that 7-foot 2 winch around because it's a little bit, it's a composite, so I'll throw that around cover maybe a little bit. I'm going to try to play around with that. But what I used to use in the past was a 
seven foot four medium heavy. Uh, it was a fast action. That's what I used to use. I never lost a lot of fish, but I will say I have missed bites on it. Also, I've had them barely hooked before. Whereas, like, when you hook them on that glass rod, they jump, and you're like, where the hell is my chatterbait? Gone. I can't find it. It's gone. <laughs> like, yeah. gone. Yeah. What's your take? I love that rod. Um, I am 100% a glass or a composite rod. 7374. Um, I throw it always on 17 pound or even 15 pound test because it kind of makes the cast a little easier. I like a smaller reel to reel with it because with that compositor or glass rod, it takes a lot more inertia to get like that BB one started. So if you can even go like, if you can get the SLX MGL in like a six, two or seven, one fish, whatever reels you're covered. I like a six, three to one. Uh, the reel I used for the last few years was uh Tatula SV six, three. And that was a really good fast startup inertia reel. And it went really well on a composite rod. Same thing as Bailey saying with that glass rod, the fish get it. And when you know they have it, it's almost too late for that fish because they're not coming up. When you hit them as hard as you can, that bait just sticks right to the roof of their mouth because that glass rod and composite rod is so forgiving. I found myself when I would use a, like a graphite rod, I would barely skin hook fish all the time or just entirely rip it out of their face. So I want a slower action rod. Um, the only two sizes I use in the chair weight mostly is three eighth or a half. If I go half, um, I'll fish like a cross style type bait to even it out. If I'm three eighths, it's a fluke. It's uh, whatever that Yamamoto Zacco shad is, or even a Kaitech. I'll cut the tail off and throw like a four point eight Kaitech on there. So it's a little bit larger body, but that three eighths it makes it more of like a half to three quarter ounce bait, so you're able to cast it super far. And that depending on what trailer you put on, will where it, it'll be where it's at in the water column as well. So the trailer's huge because that that creates a balancing effect of that bait. It'll either rise or sink or stay neutrally buoyant in the water based on your retrieve speed. I really like the. Um... It's not a heavy bait, but I like the action one combined with the chatter bait is the, and you've seen me throw it a lot, the Big Bite Baits Kamikaze Craw. Oh, yeah. Or the, no, the comic, the Swim On? Is this Swim, swim On? Yeah, swim. Kamikaze yeah, Swim On, not the Kamikaze right. Craw. Yo, yeah. it's insane, but yeah, there like, is a downside. There is a downside. Every now and then, for some reason, you'd be like, why does my chatter bait look like it has a dysfunction and you're... It has like holes in the tail of the trailer, so like the hook gets stuck on the hole somehow. The stars align and they get hooked on each other. So like once out of every fifteen casts that happens, but because the action is ridiculous on that thing. So, I, I personally love a fluke on the back of a chatterbait. I do like a fluke. Smoky, um, caffeine shed is a really good one with like that bulbous tail. All over the place. All over the, now you're putting out juice, man. We do. Now, I want to talk about juice. You talk about a caffeine chat on a freaking ball head. That's juicy. I'm going to shut up now. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but moving on, next topic. Uh, <laughs> is drop shotting smallmouth versus largemouth? And I'm curious to see <laughs> why are you getting so sad? This is my game, and like I could talk for hours on this. Um, All right, start us off then. Actually, you know what? I'll start us off because by the time you finish talking about this subject, I'll probably be asleep. I'll make you break. <laughs> no, it's for me, smallmouth, uh, majority of the time, it's just going to be 99% of the time. 610, medium light, fast, 10-pound braid to a 2,500-size reel, 6 to 8-pound fluorocarbon. That's it. Largemouth, 7.2 to 7.6, 20-pound braid to 8 to 12 to 15-pound fluorocarbon. With a difference in hooks, obviously. For me, I use a gammy uh, split shot, drop shot. I know you hate it, but I love it. I've never had an issue with it. Uh, never lost fish on it. Um, and then I use a multitude of like a cover shot from owner for largemouth to regular EWGs, like a two or three out. I'm all over the place. So now the floor is yours. Mm. Where do I start? Okay. So we'll start with smallmouth because, as everyone knows, I'm a captain on Lake Erie, and that's where I spend 98% of my time is fishing smallmouth. So out on Lake Erie, there's three rods I think everybody needs when drop shotting. Six foot ten, fast or extra fast, medium, medium light. That's for dropping straight down on them. So if you're fishing vertically right underneath the boat, dropping on them with your 2D imaging or whatever, six foot ten straight down. Three eighth, half ounce weight, sometimes three quarters based on reaction of the fish. Flat work. Only thing you need Good luck buying them. If you need some, I'll sell you some for 80 bucks a bag because I have a ton. But <laughs> uh, second rod is a seven foot two medium extra fast action. Uh, the best rod I've ever used, and I still have it, is a Shimano Kamara old gray blank. It's got probably two to five thousand fish catches on it i lost count on it. i've caught numerous fish and i feel like it's starting to lose some of its pop it's getting a little soft on me because it's caught so many dang fish but that one is for pitching to cover that i know where it's at if i'm sitting off of it so let's call it 15 to 30 feet away from the boat dropping it down flatworm again i use 10 pound braid to six pound fluoro all the time for smallmouth. Never eight, never five, never seven, six pound. It's all you need. Um, the way I tie it is the Alberto knot to my braid. I put my fluoro five reel handle turns into my reel because when I'm fighting them, because they come up so dang fast, I don't want any pressure on the knot because that's just a recipe for disaster because these five, six pound smallmouths are so strong that I've actually if you have bad braid, your knot is going to pop out very fast. Third rod for uh, Great Lakes smallmouthing is a 7.4 to 7.6. You can get away with medium or medium light extra fast. And that's if I have to sit 50 to 70 feet off of something. So 
the last click com and you know that there's fish on a rock pile away from the boat, this is something I can cast, let that bait drop down 40, 50 foot. And when they eat it, you can gain a ton of line in that hook set so that you get a really good hook deep in the top of their mouth. There is three different hooks I use, and they're all for different applications. Mosquito light, when I'm using that seven foot two, a mosquito hook by owner when I'm dropping straight down on them. And when I'm making a super long cast, I use the owner down shot because it's super thin wire, but I can lean on them to where it hooks them perfectly in the top of the mouth every time. One bait, flat work. Large mouth fishing, there's two rods you need. Seven foot two, I use the Kumara for sparse grass. And then that seven four seven six when I have to power shot with a spinning rod. Um, same setup, but then I beef up to eight or 10 pound floral and I use a robo worm or a wacky ring, wacky finesse worm type deal. Cover shot or an over down shot hook. Hmm. That's a lot of different setups, my man, for drop shot. You weren't kidding. Yeah, I can get even more intricate when I pop in a bait caster because there's three different ones I like to use there too, but yeah. <laughs> Is there ever a time where you'll throw a bait caster for a drop shot finesse yeah. In grass or docks. Docks. Oh, like pitching a drop shot? Yep. You ever seen people that can skip buzz baits? You? I'm okay at it, but. It's like a trick. Take the skirt off and put a horny toad on and super glue it. Good point. The horn, the horny toad will skip way better than a skirt. Hmm. All right, all right. Next topic: football jig. I feel like we're gonna have like the same. Same okay, exact. I, I have two setups because I think a football jig. We should also talk about a finesse football jig. Oh yeah, I was about it. I think this is one that we should talk about as well. Yes. So. I agree. Finesse football jig, I freaking love throwing a finesse football jig. So I have a setup for a finesse football jig, and I have a setup for like my football jig slash hammerhead jig. Uh, Queen Tackle has three football jigs that they sell. They have a finesse, they have a football, and they have a hammerhead. The hammerhead's gonna be like your beefier, um, bigger, you know, bigger profiled football jig because it has tungsten rattles in that tungsten head, um, and it has a heavier gauge hook. Um, my setup for a football jig, just a regular football jig, tungsten queen tackle with a hammerhead uh, and a hammerhead is going to be the same setup. And that's going to be 7.374, basically just a medium heavy fest. Plain and simple. It's a C stud, not to throw you under the rug there. I thought you liked the 7.6 fantasy stud for that. Or did you change your mind? I do, but here's my thing I like that 7.6 because I can launch it and I could get a hook in them from a far ways away. Here's my thing. With the 7.6, it's a lot of rod to when you're dragging to feel a bite and to reel down and then set the hook, whereas a 7.374, granted, yes, it's three, two to three inches. I can much faster you know, reel down and set the hook. Um, so it's kind of like a give and take. What do you want to do? If you know they're going to hold on to it for a while, I think 7.6 could be more advantageous just because you're going to get you're going to cover more area, but yeah. uh, it's all dependent on scenario. Um, but talking about the finesse football jig, 
I like like a seven two, like like a lighter medium heavy graphite. Um, more like a more a medium than a medium heavy, personally. A medium, no. a medium with a lot of backbone. You're gonna love that M1. Oh, I do want to try that. What's your take, football jigs? I agree. Seven foot five, medium heavy. I like that parabolic bend with a football jig. Seventeen pound or twenty pound test. Um, anything half ounce to one ounce. Wing tackle hammerhead jig is probably the only football jig I will throw from here on out. Um, one, it smells great. Two, it sounds just like a crayfish underwater. You can experiment with whatever trailer you like. I use a Benham Dream Craw for whatever reason. I just think the salt in it is phenomenal and it has a ton of action. And if you're mimicking a crawfish and it looks like a crawfish, it's got a rib body, so it gives off all kinds of bubbles. It's a very good football jig trailer. It's the only time I use it. It's the literally the only time I use that bait is on a football jig. Um, my finesse jig setup, you hit it dead nuts right on the head. Either a seven foot medium or a seven foot two medium heavy that's closer to a medium in power. But that's just because I like a parabolic bend to every one of my rod. I don't, I probably said that 45 times. It's just the way I like my rods is parabolic, extra fast, fast tip, lots of extra backbone, but very soft in the middle, not very soft, softer in the middle. So it gets a deep hook into them and you don't have to worry about them when they pull hard, ripping the hook out. Uh, I will go down to like a 12 to 15 pound floor, depending on the weight of the hook or the jig. So if it's like a quarter, I'll use a 12. If I'm going to a half, or three eighths, I might go up to a fifteen. Okay. And rage chunk all the way. Rage chunk, yeah. You can't use a rage chunk that well on a hammerhead. You use like a rage crawl or rage bug, or I do like like a Demiki air crawl, something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, so moving on to the next, we have a couple more topics we're going to cover for part two. Um, I think it's some interesting ones. A rig. So I to kind of touch about an A rig, it's kind of generally you can kind of you can kind of throw a bunch of different things depending on the size. But in general, I used to throw an eight footer. Uh, you could launch the damn thing, but it's a pain in the freaking tail to try to use to set the hook and what have you, and obviously pair the reel with the rod and. Um, but I do like that 7.6 heavy, fast, fantasista for an E-Rig. I do like that because it's heavy enough to launch it. Uh, it's heavy. It has a nice combination of being a stiffer rod with uh, a tip to be able to launch the A-Rig and set a good hook in the fish and not have it be too soft or be too heavy. Um, so I really like that. Um, i trying to think. I was thinking about a different scenario. Um, but yeah, I like that one for the A-Rig. There's sometimes I'll play around with like a 7.374 frog rod, but so far have not seen much result from that. <laughs> so I'm sticking with the 7.6. What yeah, about you, A-Rigs? All about the 7.6. I like a heavy, medium, heavy hybrid because up here in the north, we don't throw the heaviest A-Rigs, like eighth ounce or quarter ounce heads at most. Mm-hmm. I am a one-eighth to three-sixteenth ounce head person on the way I stack them on the rig. We're allowed five points in New York. 
So generally the bait I'm throwing on is like a 3.3 or a three inch paddle tail swimmer, uh, 20 pound fluoro, six, three to one reel, something that has a ton of drag and good pressed ears. So a good reel would probably be like a Shimano Corrado K 200 series that be an excellent or even a Tranks, right? It just mm-hmm. above. Those would be really good A-rig reels because when you think of an A-rig, you think of like a six to eight ounce bait. A lot of the ones we're throwing up here in New York are around that one and a half to two ounce range. Right. You don't need an overwhelming rod. You just need something that can handle snap casting an A-ring, so one that it doesn't get tangled in the air, but also something that you have enough backbone to set the hook and pull on that fish. Because sometimes you're going to get two to three of them to bite, and where I'm at, they could be five-pound smallies all at once and have 15 pounds of fish on there, so you have to have enough rod to handle that. But it also has to be soft enough to where you don't rip it out of their face when you set the hook in the current fish. That's a good point. So, time talking about big rods right now, big swim baits. Oh. Glide, glide baits, eight ton inch mag drafts, big, bigger paddle tails. Um, I don't have a crazy ton of experience. I know you don't have a crazy ton of experience. Uh, but for me, I have to say, right now, the rod I've been using, I like a, I did like the Douglas 805F for big baits. Cause you can launch the damn thing. Um, but right now I'm using a Dobbins Fury nine or seven, nine, five SB. It's a seven foot nine heavy. So it's a medium heavy fast, but it's really more of a heavy fast, um, swim bait rod. I do like that one. got it paired up with a loose super duty. Um, that one's pretty slick, but I'm not the biggest proponent of big swim baits, like in terms of being able to teach, because I don't have a lot of experience with it. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's not my game. I have some. I just, I haven't come across the opportunity to throw them all too much. And when I do throw them, I catch pike. So. <laughs> so what do you do? Yes. Well, I think on the flip side, one that, a bait that we have a lot of, both both you and I have a lot of confidence on, is a finesse one bait. Yeah. that's a lot of confidence on that. Big proponent in both of our arsenals. I, it's one of my absolute favorite bites ever. Is a small swim bait. Caught my PB largemouth on a freaking three inch swim bait. And we throw it completely differently too, which is kind of cool here. Yeah. So why don't you start with yours then? Um, I just recently fell in love with my. I've been looking for the perfect swim bait rod. And uh, I've mentioned this rod a couple times now. It's a Phoenix M1. They just redesigned it. It has like a Vortex handle. And I picked it up on a whim. Um, it's super light. I can feel the paddle tail on like a 3.8 Kytec or a 4-inch spark shed. I can feel the paddle tail. But um, it's a medium heavy, but it's a parabolic bend. So it feels more like a heavy medium, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. You can fish. The line rating, I think, is 8 to 17, and I throw almost all of my ball heads, uh, swim baits on 10 or 12. So it has enough give to fish a lighter line, which is good. I throw it on a 6-2 to 1 reel because I like to creep my swim baits, those ball head ones. But I like a, a stiffer rod than a spinning rod because 
sometimes you're bouncing that swim bait just over weeds and you don't want them to bury in that weeds or you got to get them away from something. So I like a bait caster and I just feel like I get way more leverage on them because I like a beefier swim bait hook. Uh, my favorite head that I just fell in love with is the Matt Allen uh, was a tactical bass in swim bait head. I believe it's the Matt dirty jigs. Dirty yeah. jigs. That's a dirty jigs. That is a bad swim bait head. Oh yeah, I like that one. Um, if I'm throwing deeper, bigger swim baits, like like a, anywhere from a three point eight to like a four point eight, mm-hmm. uh, I'll throw that on there, and I'll throw that on like a seven two medium heavy fast or like a medium fast. I kind of like to play around with them. It depends. If it's like a current base situation, I'm throwing it on a heavier rod, like a medium heavy fast. Um, but if I'm throwing it deep for like over grass or whatever scenario you want to talk about, more of a deep scenario where you kind of want to hook them at a longer, you know, when you're in deep water, obviously, um, I like a medium fast. But like covering shallow water, like 12 foot and up, you know, shallower, uh, my favorite bite almost ever, definitely top three. Uh, is like a quarter to an eighth ounce football head. And that is a freaking riot on like a seven, six spinning rod. Mm-hmm. I freaking love that crap. And it's on like, it's on 15 pound braid to eight pound fluorocarbon. So you're creeping that thing. Rod tips pointed up and it's just, it's either you're knocking slack on the line and you're just catching up and it's or it's like you're creeping it, rock, rock, rock. You're counting rocks, ding, 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 ding. And then you hear, boom. And you're just like, you just reel and you just lean and just, and that's, it, it's, I absolutely, you could talk to Andrew. We had a 27 pound bag one day doing this thing. I was a freaking, and Bailey used spinning rod. So, yeah. <laughs> it was a freaking riot. It was absolutely, it was cool to see how the different applications played into it. Yeah. Because we threw it differently. But I think that was a good one. But uh, I think I think that covers it all for part two um, on techniques. If folks want us to obviously continue this, let us know. Uh, put some recommendations in the YouTube comments or reach out to us if you're listening from an MP3 standpoint. Uh, leave a rating or review if you are listening from an MP3 standpoint um, so we can kind of get a feel for what you guys like. Uh, let us know how we're doing on the show. Um, especially if you're listening from Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review, uh, whether good or bad. We appreciate the honesty. Um, but uh, I think in terms of that, Andrew, I think that's all for tonight. Um, and obviously we'll be talking to the folks on Monday Night Live. Absolutely. All right. Well, folks, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We hope that you're enjoying this. Let us know if you want to keep up and uh, want us to make part three. Yep. And uh, we will talk to you guys. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.